0: Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 76. Today we're talking Cold Zera melting his reputation. Vega Squadron dump their roster, Sadekis and Henry G split as a casting duo, and Gfinity Australia shuts down. Hey guys, this is Lectric. I hey guess I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Farrah. Cold Zera. This is Kerrigan. Are you listening to Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The, Truth? the Truth. the Truth. the Truth. the Truth. The Truth
1: CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast.
0: The, Truth CSGO Podcast. the, the We Russian In are we doing sneaky peaky like so i have the flu for the fourth time this year as it is now uh should be evident to you guys i have the constitution indeed the entire immune system of a small field mouse um or perhaps a sickly uh tadpole I'm not sure exactly what it is. Uh, good news is this podcast now has a Patreon. This is probably my last-ditch attempt to get some support for the podcast before uh, it all becomes a little bit too hard for me. But this now happens uh, at patreon.com slash thetruthcsgo if you'd like to buy me a cup of coffee or uh, contribute to the server costs. I just paid for another year of uh, hosting the podcast on SoundCloud. That's 145 Australian schmackaroos. Um, I've been doing that now. This is my third year. Um, paying for that uh, so if you want to help me out um, flick a dollar my way but only do it if you can afford the cash if, uh, if you're poor, you're a student um, and you don't get enough Pocky money or you need that Pocky money for Pocky itself um, keep it to yourself but basically uh, if, we, if we could cover the server costs for a year that would be super and anything more then that could go towards uh, paying for someone to help gather the news because uh, a few weeks ago I put out a call for someone to help gather the news we've had four volunteers uh, all of whom at various points have just simply stopped uh, gathering news and it's not my um, it's not in my mo it's not in my desire to be a an employer or a whipcracker. if you want to help out with this podcast I will gladly take your help but I'm not going to hound you if you stop helping me um, so that's just how that works. So yeah, if you want to get involved, patreon.com forward slash the truth CS go would love your support. At the same time, this podcast will always be free as long as I can manage to keep doing it. Um, and just to clarify as well, the reason I'm asking for help now is not because the podcast um, has changed in its nature. Um, it's not because I don't want to do it as much as I used to. I just have a lot more... Um, in real life work to be doing right now and my career's kind of taken off in a way that I wasn't expecting um so i yeah it's just it's just a, a lot more hassle to to kind of do it to the level i wanted to do it at Um, when I started it. So anyway, let's move on. There's not a huge amount of news this week, but we do have a few things. Uh, The the biggest news story is probably Cold Zero. Now, a bit of drama has happened with him over the past week and a half, actually. And it kind of started when he put out a tweet saying that he had four offers from uh, various teams um, who wanted him on their roster. Now, just for those who might have been out of the scene for a while, Cold Zero is, of course, the star player from MIBR he was number one HLTV player 2016 2017 uh, we've seen his stock fallen uh, recently um, uh, not, not placing anywhere near that in 2018 I think he was maybe seventh or eighth um, and he, his little, he had a bit of a spat with MIBR sort of it seemed like anyway because he was the only one to leave and they pretty quickly came out saying that they were a much happier team now that he was gone um, now, one of the things that came out uh, in response to this tweet was uh, was a, a tweet from DK. DK, of course, the journalist Jarek Lewis, who said that those four offers um, don't actually correlate with offers being made to the Immortals organizations. Uh, the Immortals organization, which, of course, own MIBR, which means that essentially, Cold Zero, assuming he's telling the truth, has spoken to some players or team owners himself but his organization actually hasn't been approached by anyone, which is to say these offers at this point in time are not solid ones at all. Now, I kind of have a feeling that Cold zeros might not land on his feet in the same way we might have expected, say, six months or a year ago. And one of the things we can look at uh, to give evidence to that is the fact that we've had such huge players uh, sitting on benches for quite some time and i think we've seen a lot more reluctance from teams to pick up uh players purely because of past performances um due to buyouts and the size of buyouts and buying out contracts now basically to explain what's happened over the last uh specifically the last year but the last year and a half two years is that player salaries have increased uh dramatically and i think there is evidence and i and i can't support it right now with any documentation or links, but there is evidence that uh, in my memory that Counter-Strike players' salaries have increased more dramatically than uh, the salaries of players from other esports, and therefore it's slightly unrealistic or their valuation is, is unrealistic compared to the size or the growth of the esport uh, of CSGO as, in and of itself. The increase in the salary, of course, means an increase in buyout because the buyout is reflected by how much uh, salary is left on the contract when a player leaves a team when they're still on contract. And therefore, we've had an un, uh, we've had a uh, a level of uh, cash in these teams that hasn't matched the amount of cash they've been putting out um, into into these salaries and contracts. What I'm trying to say is, we've got a situation now where we have several players who if the, the, the salaries that they'd been getting were commensurate with uh, what um, teams are willing to pay them now or pay for a buyout now, then um, we wouldn't have these guys still sitting around the bench. And p- speaking, of of course, of people like Sonny, um, like Kiyoshima, um, probably like Flusher. I think if Flusher had been offered a massive contract already by this point, he, he probably would have taken it. I think there's probably teams that want him but whether or not he's he, he's been offered the sort of killer contract that we saw offered to people like um, Olaf or Guardian in the past I don't think that's the case I think cold zero not only with his massive unprecedented buyout which some people have said is as much as a million dollars that not think that can be true I think it was DK who said it's at least over a four hundred and fifty thousand dollars I think he's going to find himself sitting on the bench probably longer than he thought i can't imagine that there's any organization that would want to spend that much money at this point in time um especially when you do have players who've also been in the top 20 and more recently than cold zero who are still sitting out there in no man's land um waiting for a contract um Now, this includes, and I think this is actually worth mentioning because I think he's the best example of an untapped money-making player who's not out there with a big contract right now. And, of course, this includes Pasha Biceps. Pasha Biceps was the most marketable face of Counter-Strike, in my opinion, um, basically from 2015 on. And he's been sitting in his own little Polish youngsters team now for how long, six months, eight months? Um... I'm pretty sure if Bialy's contract was up, his should be up as well. Uh, And we've seen him spruiking things like DHL at live tournaments. Why does this guy not have a team? Now, I assume there's uh, reasons for Pasha not wanting to leave Poland. That's fair enough. But even if I was um, an international team or a team that didn't exist in Poland, I would still have this guy on the roster because he sells jerseys. Now, if, especially if you are a team around the level where Epsilon was, Epsilon, of course, folded uh, just after the last episode uh, was released, and so I didn't uh, announce it in the news, but Epsilon have released their team. And if you were a, a team around the ranking where they were, which was just out of the top 20, top 30, not enough uh, appearances to make any money in, in prizes or sponsorship, really, to justify the player salaries, you, you could have taken a gamble on someone like Pasha, who not only would have brought over a huge contingent of polish fans but sells jerseys and merchandise like no one else um and perhaps he wouldn't have garnered you any more results although i think he was actually the best player on Virtus pro at the dissolution of that lineup um but you've definitely you've in you've already got someone inbuilt who's going to bring sponsors to your uh team i mean look at the guy he's not even playing counter-strike anymore and he's and he's got more sponsorship deals <laughs> than any other player. Uh, so I think that's a, it's probably a, a, an indication of the um, reluctance for teams right now to spend any money. And it's been pretty well publicized, I think, the reluctance of FaZe going ahead to spend money the way they used to. I think that probably um, is a uh, problem that the other teams have. Uh, in a way that we don't understand yet. And I think we we'll only will in the next six months when some of these players continue to languish on the bench when previously uh, you could have easily scooped them all up and want to made you with any of them. Um, now, we're going to get on to the topic of overvaluation um, of esports in a moment because we will talk about Gfinity Australia, which has just collapsed. But there are a few more things to talk about with Cold Zero. And they are, of course, uh, pertaining to an interview he did uh, with a Brazilian YouTuber, which if you've been on Reddit, you will know all the details. But in case you haven't seen uh, what's been going on, he came out in an interview uh, and threw a lot of shade on a lot of different people. And it appears to be the MO of this particular YouTubing show, some Brazilian girl who hosts her own sort of um, quasi-famous talk show. Well, basically she gets drunk with the host and appears to flirt with them um, and I guess supposedly in an effort to impress her they um, say a lot of things that they probably shouldn't now uh, cold zero played perfectly into this role and according to the translations we got for the interview he said all sorts of uh, things about Phelps fallen bolts steel a device not all of them um, <laughs> complimentary and in fact I think he's done himself a huge disservice here because the main takeaway, and I'll let you guys read it yourself. You can go onto Reddit probably in the next week still and it'll be somewhere near the front page, the summary of it. But the biggest takeaway for me was that um, his his self-awareness really isn't at the level you would hope for someone who is looking to be picked up for another team. Uh, now, his story is quite well known. He, In fact, I'm pretty sure with my interview with him we did talk about his origins, but, uh, he kind of came out of nowhere when, uh, Fallen plucked him from obscurity and within about a year, I think in, uh, luminosity, they'd won their first major. So he hasn't really had any other teams. Now, as I said, this takeaway is worrying because the last thing you want from someone coming into an already existing team or a new team is someone who isn't self-aware, um, you really need to have an idea of how a team works properly, especially with the expectations that you would have getting cold zero in your team for that team to work instantly. Um, And so as a team owner or a team manager or even just a coach, I'd be a little bit worried about this interview. He says several times that he's not vindictive, uh, that he doesn't hold grudges, that uh, he's um, a a more respectful person and yet several times... (laughs) throughout this interview <coughs> pardon me he mentions um, grudges that he is actually holding uh, and vengeance that he will actually get um, and specifically with device he talks about uh, when Astralis were at the top they when Astralis were at the top no wait, wait, when SK were at the top, they were the nice guys and partied with everyone and then and talked to everyone and then when Australis were on the top, Device refused to talk to Cold Zero. Device then came up to Cold Zero in a nightclub. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is too good. And Cold Zero goes, "Oi, why uh, why aren't you talking to me, you're a snob?" Device cries. This is what Cold Zero said. Device cried and apologized, and, De- and um, Cold Zero said, No, nah, you're dead to me. I'm never going to forgive you for that. Uh, so that sounded pretty childish in and of itself. And then Device came out and tweeted, I wasn't crying, um, but now I do remember why I didn't want to talk to you. So, I mean, this is a level of beef that we haven't had uh, well, I don't know. It seems like pretty serious beef. In fact, he's open beef with um even people we haven't heard about for a while, like FNX and um Showtime. Uh, so look, I, I think he's done himself no favors and it couldn't come at the worst possible time, um, because as I said, I think there's a bunch of teams out there going, is this really, is this amount of money really justifiable? And to now add a, a PR, a walking PR uh, disaster on top of that, he's just. It could actually. He might have just nuked his, his the next stage of his career. You know, I don't know whether after this I would be that surprised if in a year, uh, zero is still sitting on the bench. I wouldn't put it. I would. I, I would. I would definitely imagine that he would have stood in for someone at some point. But if at this time in 2020, he doesn't, he still doesn't have a solid team and he hasn't won a tournament um, with anyone, I don't know whether I'd be surprised. I don't think this is KNG levels of career nuking, but it's definitely not a good look. And um, yeah, could have picked a better time to do that uh, sort of interview, mate. Um, now, as you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Cold zero And when I interviewed him, I thought he was a lovely, lovely bloke. So... Uh, I think if he's smart or if he's got any good people around him, I think his dad was fairly involved as his manager. He'll uh, issue some sort of um, nullifying statement, perhaps, or neutralizing statement, and try and put out the flames of this uh, as quick as possible. Now, also in the news, Vega Squadron have dumped their team. Uh, I guess this probably wasn't a surprise to anyone really keeping tabs on the scene. These guys didn't manage to make the minors again, and Vega have basically been uh, sustained by their continual ability to at least put up a bit of a a good fight uh, at the minors and then making the major twice, obviously, in the last few years. And now one of the most disappointing things about this is basically the reason these guys last uh, garnered some sort of commentary for me, which is that Seized is, of course, on that team. Um, And this was his... This did really feel like a last swing at the uh, ball... For old mate Dennis Costin. Um, who else did they have on the team? I think Tony Black was on there, wasn't he? No, no, Tony Tony got out. We had Crush, Junior, Scooby G, uh, and Dima yeah, was, of course, on there as well. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a shame that these guys kind of fell so far from the high highs of those majors a few years ago, but... Uh, yeah. As I said, I think the, 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 the biggest shame is Sees to see how he's kind of tumbled almost like um one of those cartoons where someone falls off a cliff and then sort of falls onto another little cliff and then another little cliff and another little cliff. I think that the Simpsons does it uh in an episode where Homer tries to jump the Grand Canyon on a skateboard. Uh C's definitely feels like he's hit a few trees on the on the way down. Um it's not been a uh it's been it's been fairly ignominious his fall from grace considering how high his highs were with uh navi back in the day uh now another bit of a crumple um that's been announced this week is sadekist and henry g uh old mate jarek lewis did report on dujerto oh someone's calling oh it's my therapist um so that was did my therapist he was calling because there's a a model of the self that we talked about a couple of years ago when i started with him and i actually wanted to talk about it on this podcast uh he can't remember which one it is so we'll talk about it next uh next episode when I managed to find it. But anyway, um, yeah, so Henry G and Sedicus will not be casting together anymore. It appears these guys had it coming for a little while. Sedicus will actually be uh, doing desk work at the Berlin-Style Major, which is kind of exciting. I think he's going to be great on the desk. I think it's a shame, obviously, that those guys are going to split as casters. Uh, they're just they're so incredible together. But I did notice recently that... There was a lot less engagement between the two of them when they were on the desk, um, on on the casting, sorry. And actually, the last thing they casted together, perhaps ESO one cologne that I really noticed, um, was uh, very, very weighted in terms of Henry G doing a lot more of the heavy lifting. Um, Perhaps this was a a rift that happened between them or it was Sadek is just getting sick of the casting process. I have no idea. Anyway, so that's another casting duo that has broken up. Um, Makes me feel sad, but change is inevitable. And it appears that Moses will be casting with Henry G, which is kind of fun. Also, I should note that uh, it's been reported, I think also from DK, that we're going to get at least one of the three uh, main talents we weren't getting. Um, Oh, wait. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. And this is irrelevant now, but we were, Jarek said we were going to get uh, Anders and Moses and Thorin, at least one of those guys, at the Berlin style at a major who hadn't been announced with the previous talent lineup. Uh, I think it's going to be all three of them. So that's exciting. Um, What else are we going to get to talk about here? Oh, yeah, Gfinity. Gfinity Australia have shut down. Now, if you are not part of the Australian or Oceanic scene, you might not recognize the term Gfinity, but Gfinity have been running a competition here for uh, maybe two, maybe it's only about a year and a half, but they've been around for two and a half years, according to their press statement. I wasn't, I wasn't sure that it had been that long, but there you go. Uh, those guys are running a tournament, um, and you might recall that at some point, I discovered that that tournament was actually happening 10 minutes walk away from where I live at Fox Studios, And so I'd been hearing about it. I didn't really know anything about it. Um, And I had no idea that it was actually live near where I live. I walked over to it one Sunday and the facilities they had were absolutely incredible. Uh, But there was mainly, there was was really only about um, seven or eight people in the audience. Uh, And towards the end of the day, there was maybe 12. And that's because five uh, people who... Uh, were relatives of the people playing showed up, so it it kind of didn't. It it was really bizarrely under patronised, um. And the fact that I found out was, was kind of, uh, well, put it this way. It had been running for at least a year by the time I found out that it was ten minutes walk away from me. And if there's anyone in my suburb where I live who's more obsessed with Counter Strike, I'd like to know who they are. Um, And considering my suburb is 10 minutes walk away from where the bloody event was being held, then there was a serious marketing issue at Gfinity. Now, look, one thing we should really talk about is the fact that, um, uh, well, actually, let's backtrack a tiny bit. It appears that the the reason for this collapsing, that chemists are surprised to no one involved apparently going through the Twitter comments in response to this, was that they weren't making enough money. um, And... Apparently, they lost ht the company responsible for it, lost $5.8 million in the last financial year on this operation. Now, having just attended one event um, and seeing the lack of people who were there and also seeing the lack of people who were watching it online it just wasn't being patronized probably at all, it's no surprise to me either. One of the other things that I uh, criticized it for on the Reddit thread uh, where it was uh, reported as well is that... Basically, they were throwing a whole lot of money at a game that didn't have any narratives. The teams were, oftentimes, newly um, jumbled together players. It appeared from different teams, who'd simply, who were simply representing their state. So you might get um, a player from Order, a couple of players from Greyhound, or not even Greyhound because those guys weren't in there. Um, maybe a player from Avant, you know, a player from Chiefs or whatever because they happen to be in New South Wales or, uh, Sydney or Melbourne or Queensland or whatever. And so there was no real narrative. Now it's not like, um, the state of origin, which, uh, if you're not Australian, it's just it's a competition between two States, um, playing rugby, which has a history of over a hundred years in this country. And, uh, I mean, it's less popular now, I think in some ways, but, um, it, it just didn't have that sort of uh, history of narrative, and when I visited or tuned into the streams, there wasn't really the content wasn't being um, concentrated on building the narrative, simply presenting this tournament as if it had some sort of importance. But not knowing the teams, not knowing the players, not knowing the reasons for the tournament, there was actually no stakes, and, and a very basic level as a screenwriter. Uh, I know that if you don't have any stakes for the characters, i.e. what they stand to lose, what a victory or a defeat means to them, then an audience is just not going to care about following them on the journey that they're on. Uh, so going ahead, I think uh, the lessons that can be learned from this, not only for the Australian scene, but for probably other parts of the world where people are trying to get esports um, or uh, you know more attention, or at least trying to harness... The uh, burgeoning viewership is um, one of the things they could have done, I think, is to look at the assets that already existed for Hoyt's. Hoyt's is a big cinema chain here, and they were the ones who built these stadiums or these uh, arenas, so to speak. And instead of simply trying to start your own um, tournament run from scratch, it might have been a better idea to start putting on some uh, tournament nights where you simply broadcast some of the larger tournaments and gathered a community and started a community and a party around that. And I put this on my Reddit comment because basically I would go and watch ESL One Cologne at the cinema with all the popcorn and drinks and stuff I can stuff my face with and I'd take some friends too if I knew it was happening. I'd rather do that than sit around at home on my computer and watch it. Um, I don't even have a TV, so I don't have a living room to watch it in. Uh, and I don't invite people around to watch shit on my laptop. So that would be like a a, a much lower cost way of actually partnering up with tournaments that are already happening. Um, uh, being a touch point for the local community to join together and watch these tournaments with teams that already have narratives, right? I know a lot more about Fnatic even though they're from a completely different country and I care more about them than the Sydney, what were they called? The, the the Sydney Spiders or something, <laughs> whatever the, the Sydney team was for Gfinity. Um, and so that might've been a, a solution for them. The other thing is that um, was kind of outlined in some of the comments on Twitter was that their investment was just too big to start off with. Um, and that sounds like, it's not ungrateful. It just sounds a bit like uh, could could any investment be too big? Well, I think the the reasoning behind this is that if you invest too big and the investment fails, then you scare off other potential investors uh, because your investment has been unrealistic. Uh, and it's clear from the statements of the CEO and the shareholders of the governing companies that they did expect. Uh, margins of profit as big as their traditional um, revenue streams which in this case uh, are basically radio and audio based which have a minuscule production budget compared to the sorts of things they were doing not only live events but simultaneously uh, video streaming on twitch etc so have they potentially damaged the uh, landscape for other investors It's quite possible, and time will tell. But this also brings up the the point um, uh, or or some of the reason why I was critical uh, or at least a bit of rabble-rousing when Icon appeared to be taking over another Australian team. Um, And that was... uh, Who was it? Avant or Chiefs recently? See, I'm I'm terrible at uh, even keeping track of my own notes in my own scene. But I will strike down sickness as part of my reasoning. But my suspicions... Around that, and my uh, suspicion of larger companies coming in and swinging around, swinging things around, is that they leave a scene prematurely. They've propped it up artificially with too much venture capital, and then they leave it prematurely and leave it in a worse place than when they left. Now, is did Gfinity Gfinity leave the Australian scene in a worse place? uh I don't know. I don't think so. At least in the in the fact that it gave a bunch of these players uh, recurring tournaments to play out, recurring LAN experience uh, that, uh, as far as I can tell, doesn't exist in any other form here. At least with the sort of uh, to the to the standard these guys were doing it, it gave them um, prize money to play for. It fostered a community. Uh, so was their investment too big? Probably they could have done it in a cheaper way. They didn't have to hire out a huge. Um, or build these arenas everywhere and like I said the production values kind of blew me away when I went there considering the fact that almost nobody was watching it live uh, and or on stream so they could have scaled that down a lot but I think uh, on the whole obviously it was an incredible opportunity for some of these players Uh, if anyone has a differing opinion I would love to hear it I, I, I can't know what it was like as a player participating in Gfinity series Uh, And you gave a lot of experience to the casters um, and hosts as well. And as far as I can tell, uh, with the turnover in international casting gigs seemingly being a little bit more um, frequent than it would have appeared a couple of years ago, then I'm I'm sure we're going to see some of these Australian guys on the international scene before long. And I'm sure that will be in no way, in no small part due to the fact that they got a a bit more extra time. On a, in a tournament like Gfinity who to cut their teeth um, now that's kind of all the uh, news from the uh, world of the pro scene I have been uh, playing a fair bit these days because uh, long time listener Bryce aka B twice <laughs> has been staying at home in his jimmy jams in his little bathrobe playing Counter-Strike all day and every day uh, and it's been very tempting when you've got a mate who's uh, willing almost at any time of the day to play to get involved i did play a game with uh, listener louie and i think one interesting thing to come out of this for me at least was uh, was a little self observation that i had uh, where after i played with louie He said to me, oh, you played well. And all I could think of was that I didn't play well because I didn't play well. I wasn't feeling too good. um, And my score was terrible. And then I realized after the fact that I had no idea how Louis played. I didn't even pay any attention. And I think I've... uh, I think I'm stuck in that ego phase. (laughs) That means that I sometimes just really still don't have a good time when I'm playing (laughs) Counter-Strike because I'm too focused on my own performance. (laughs) And it made me think about this friend of mine who's got two kids, and I went over to his house the other day to play a board game. We had dinner, and then we played a game called Road to El Dorado, which is a fantastic board game. Uh, And it was him and his wife and his two kids and me, and he started winning. And he started winning to the point where he was thrashing us, and he would have finished the game prematurely, probably by about 15 minutes. And instead of that, he pulled some of his great best cards out of his pack, and, um, and said to his daughter, oh, look, I think you dropped this card. And she was like, what? No, I didn't. He's like, yeah, yeah, I saw you drop it. And then he did the same thing to his son. And before you know it, everyone had caught up. And he kept on doing this until everybody was on the same, you know, last few, the last few moves before he won. And, like, obviously, what a lovely dad to do that. But it did... <laughs> In my, uh in my total enveloping narcissism, it did occur to me that I'm still not the stage where I would be able to do that with my kids. <laughs> I, would, I would still be the dad who would um, race towards the end. I don't know whether I'd lord it over my kids, but I'd just be like, look, I won fair and square. And that's how it is. And that's your life lesson. <laughs> you can't always win. Uh, so I think that's one of my life goals to become to somehow shed my ego to that degree, I don't think it's going to happen until my career really taken off. Um, but yeah. Uh, now, there's one uh, little announcement that I have to make as well. We have launched the Patreon this week, but also this week marks the uh, inclusion of a new sponsor. That's right. Uh, this podcast has a new sponsor and it happens to be the one thing I never thought I would do, which is get in a gambling sponsor (laughs) so here it is without further ado the new gambling
1: sponsor of the truth is csgo podcast Hey, Counter Strike players! Do you like to op? Do you like to rifle? Do you like to clutch? Sweet bras? Do you also like to bet? Come and bet on my site, forever. Definitely not ripping you off. I'm the Betting Baron because I'm the Baron of betting. At my site, you can win millions and millions of bucks if you just come along to my site now, not tomorrow not in 20 minutes. Do it now, yeah. Fucking cunt! What do you need life savings for? Just bet on some CS matches. Don't give me that shit about saving up money to buy a house for your family. Come and bet on my website. But I know what you're thinking, betting baron. I'm happy with my life and I don't feel the need to bet. But to your head, I say, shut up, cunt. So what if you feel good? Feeling good is overrated. Better to feel shit. Then that gives you the hunger to make your life better. What cunt who felt good about his life ever did anything? No one. Never heard of that non-existing fictional person. Ever. This sort definitely does not ever rip you off because if you think we are the kind of people that have complete control of the odds of our system that favour us in a way you can never prove in a court of law because we are not covered by law in your country and our servers are in the Cayman Islands anyway, then you're fucked in their head mate and you should just come and bet anyway. Hey, let me put it another way for you. If you're still not getting it into your stupid face that betting with us is the best thing you could ever do in your life ever, including christen your child and get married to the love of your life. Picture this. You've worked hard all week. You get a paid Check at the end of the week. You could put some of that money aside, perhaps you know, for something you like, something you know, like a new pair of shoes because the ones you've got are heaps puffed with holes in them. Or you could register with betting.is dot good dot not ripping you off dot and maybe just maybe double or triple or maybe even quadruple your cash instantly. If you register now, use the code NOSELFRespect to get 1 billion in VIP credits, which is the equivalent to 10 cents. Also I should note when you bet with us, you change your money over to our baron coins, which is a fiat currency we control, and if you get too much of it, all we do is change its value <laughs> so that you're poor. Also, betting on this site will definitely 100% turn you into an alpha ladies man with a sick car and a sleeve tattoo and a girlfriend who has lots of Instagram followers. So be a winner, not a loser, if you're a fucking loser, and register with definitely not ripping you gg
0: Now, one thing that I forgot to talk about, uh, and that's just come to my attention, that I really need to, because this is actually rather a monumental occurrence for CSGO, and that is, of course, the retirement of GOB-B. Now, this happened just uh, minutes after I released the the last episode, which is why it sort of fell off my radar a little bit, but of course, GOB-B was the IGL of BIG, uh, the Berlin International Gaming Team. And was actually one of the founders back in 2017, early 2017, with uh, Tabson and Lagia. Now, he has stepped into a coaching role, and it has also been announced that Smuya is back on that roster. So Smooya has been sort of in this wilderness for a little while, tweeting out his, um, how should we say it, contrition over the way he acted on social media. It appears that he's been sufficiently contrite and they've welcomed him back and now the roster is Tabson, Tizian, Smuyas Antares, and Tyros and Lagia. Tabson is now the IGL and this is a sad day for CSGO obviously but uh, probably the best thing to, for it to, have to, to, to happen to this team. Gobby, I assume, will still be giving his uh, genius, injecting his genius into this team in the form of his coaching role uh, without being the... How do we say? It? How do we say it? the compromise of a of a player um, on the actual team? His fragging hasn't been very good for a while. Now, God B really came onto my radar. Uh, well, back onto my radar, I should say, when uh, big. Well, no, no. Look, his team really came onto my radar at the PGL Krakow Major. They did have an incredible run there. No one was kind of expecting them to do anything. Uh, they hadn't been around that long. Godby, of course, was an amazing player. Tabson, um, I don't think he really was rated that highly at the time, but this seemed like a bit of a, uh, a gambling project. And they hadn't really done huge things before this. But in the very first matchup against FaZe, they won 16 8, and FaZe were on the up and up at that point. Uh, that was, of course, the roster with uh, Keo and Alu. Uh, and then in the second round, they beat. Um, Cloud9, 16-11 and then in the third round they beat SK who probably were the favourites over Astralis to win they beat SK 16-14 now on all of these maps uh, it was played out on Inferno and as was uh, as you can still see in the demos they were abusing a, a function of the game called the jump bug where they could crouch while jumping uh, and on some parts of the map, they would not be seen by the opponent, but they would see over certain walls. Specifically, uh, in pit on the A site, and in the little wall at the top of um, uh, banana, and this allowed them to get info. And for instance, you know, if they uh, jumped up, saw someone down there, they could nade that person without that person having seen that they were behind the wall. Uh, They did this several times each game, and this is part of the reason why they won these maps. And they were more or less found out, I guess, for having not quite as deep a map pool as one would have hoped. Because when it finally came time to a best of three, they played Immortals, lost uh, the... No, they they won the first one on Cobblestone 1917, but then got thrashed on Train and Inferno. Um, And actually, in fact, sorry, they didn't do too badly on train, but they got thrashed on Inferno 16 7. And by this point, if memory serves me correctly, all the team uh, players, uh, IGLs, and players had come to a sort of gentleman's agreement that the jump bug wouldn't be used any further at the major. So, what was kind of fun about this was that Gobby was the most smiling, uh, genial interview. Uh, interviewee and quite uh, forthcoming with how his team had his team had done and how the other team hadn't done or had done certain things, uh, and was probably the best interview at PGL f- for sure. It's very interesting to look back at these interviews now and wonder how much he in his own mind, attributed their success to this jump bug and whether or not he knew that other players were going to be very unhappy about it when they found out. But I thought we could just play a little bit of a uh, an interview he did after their very first match against FaZe where it was a massive upset. It was a 16-8 victory um, and he was speaking with Red Eye and I might just cut the beginning of it and then the end of it and jam them together and you get a sense of how fun it was to have God be in the scene at that point. All right.
2: I have to say, my friend, you should have the biggest grin on your face right now.
0: I think I do. Thank you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, guys, I cannot see you, but uh, I can imagine how beautiful you are. (laughs) Thank you.
2: Thank you. Always a pleasure. Um, I also have a little bit of a confession to make, God be. I know we're friends, but I didn't have you in my pickums.
3: No problem, it's okay. Is it okay? It's okay. Okay, no all right,
2: good. I'm let off. <laughs> That's lucky. I thought this was going to be an awkward interview on the back of that. Um, let's, let's get serious for a moment. You guys were 4 0 down in this game. Didn't look good to start with, a little bit shaky here and there. Got over the nerves. Was it, was it a bit nerves, or what was it early on?
3: Um, To be honest, yeah, a little bit, I think. We were a little bit shaky. We had like a three-on-two situation and the pistol, we should have won, but they also had like really good shots, so uh, props to them. And uh, we knew we needed to have money uh, because otherwise it's really hard to win rounds. And even though we won rounds, uh, they uh, kept saving their weapons, at at least at the start. It was really hard, so we needed to uh, play a lot of equip rounds. And uh, we used the uh, eco rounds to scout out how... are they playing like we know they play or they play a little different? And we figured out they played a little bit different. Kiyo didn't help Banana in the start at all. So we figured out, OK, we can take Banana Control uh, easier against two uh, as against three. And uh, yeah, after we take Banana Control once and we knew, OK, Kiyo needs to, they will take him now to Banana. And then we rushed A. Like we, we had like a pretty easy game plan. But um, overall, like we also practiced really well. For this map, against also uh, we uh, practiced against other teams, and we we uh, imagined to play against face, so we played kind of the same strategies over and over again. So we are pretty confident, but uh, as you guys said, we are pretty shaky at the start. Mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely a surprise for everyone outside of your team, I guess. Um, Where do you rank this on the big scale? Because you've had six, seven months together now. This has to be your biggest win so far, doesn't it?
3: Uh, it doesn't feel like the biggest win because, to be honest, it's like the first game in the Swiss system. Everything can happen. Still, even FaZe, you know, they can. It, it's n- not time for them to uh, put their heads down or so. Uh, it's, it's just the first game. Even though we would have lost the first game, we said to ourselves, hey, we will stay cool, we will laugh, we will have fun and uh, we will play like we played in the Prags." Yep. And we did that, un- uh, unfortunately, for FaZe. Fortunately for us and uh, yeah, we're really happy at the moment.
2: We well, are very humble as always, but I, I have to say, this thing you've got going on with the team where you're all in the same house and you're enjoying each other's company and your friends, and I heard earlier you're taking vacations, what are you doing? <laughs> Seriously, come on man, go and have a vacation on your own, do it after the major or something. But uh, it's great, but, it, but it's also, it seems to be leaking into the communications that you have. I saw a few uh, shots of some of your players when you lose around there's no arguing. There's no getting upset. I saw several of you almost laughing sometimes in some of the
3: rounds. Thinking, Christ, what did we do in that round? How do you do that? Um, the mood is really good. Yeah. But they are screaming. They are uh, arguing. But uh, they're a little bit hidden. So uh, <laughs> okay. no, we need to be honest. It's we I. Sometimes I can be a little bit uh, angry to my teammates. You but
2: angry? But no. Yeah, yeah, no. I can't. I'm not having any of that. I've heard the if stories. I'm, if I'm hungry, <laughs> I'm really angry sometimes. You're angry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've also got uh, Moses alongside and I know they want to ask yeah, sure. you a few questions yeah, as well.
0: I was wondering, like, there was a bunch of rounds where the time really went down to the last, I don't know, seven seconds or so before you hit the bomb side. Was it more about you guys being maybe a little timid in certain situations, but taking a little bit more time than you usually do in practice, or was that something you really? Plan out. You wanted to make sure that you
1: had all corner, corners covered before you went to a bomb site.
3: Um, to be honest, it's really hard to play against face on this map because the equipment timing is so hard. It's, it feels really pressured. Less. Uh, the in-game leader, like I had a lot of. Uh, I, my game was just like chess. I just needed to dodge the uh, equipment from the enemy, and uh, my team needed to make the kills. Like it was really hard for me sometimes. But um, the first two gun rounds went. Uh, as we uh, expected them, but then they obviously adapted and we needed to adapt again. And that's why we sometimes uh, uh, had didn't, didn't have so much time left. And uh, I would also agree with you that we were a little bit afraid to go through smokes maybe and this kind of stuff. Um, and also props to face. I think they played as a, a city really good. It sometimes came down to really, really less time, which Will happen a lot on Inferno, and uh, obviously they uh, also made in the uh, um, in the late game a few mistakes, uh, which uh, yeah we benefit from. But uh, overall, it was like really hard for us, and that's why we uh, needed to play like the 10 second game or the 15
0: second game. Yep. Um, you know, some of those mistakes they were making coming down the stretch is, is players coming through smokes, players not waiting for their teammates to do retakes. When you guys did take a bomb set on your T side. When you're playing against that, I know you kind of get that feeling that you finally, you know, put put your opponents on tear, like maybe a little bit frustrated. When you go into the second half, that that call to push down middle on CT Pistol, is that something to kind of like push them over the edge a little bit, in a sense that they were kind of at that precipice, or was that was that always planned from the start of this match?
3: No, no, it was planned from start of okay. the match. It was nothing uh, psychologically or so. But did you feel the- like they were tilting at all? Did you feel like getting to that point? Um, we didn't felt that they were tilting but as uh, in some point we felt like their uh, the ideas of them uh, they didn't have any ideas left uh, s- uh, it kind the rounds went uh, almost like the same way all the time so they didn't play like they played aggressive banana and they keep smoking mid so we needed to have really much patience and as i said we needed to play this 25 second game because they went out of equipment in the late game and they didn't that what they would could do better in the next game, a small tip, Finn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should balance your equipment sometimes and just hold it off and don't re-smoke every single time, but I know they will do it and they will learn from this uh, lose for sure.
2: Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, uh, one, one quick Good question growth. as well. Um, you recently joined the 30 Club, your birthday. Sorry, happy belated birthday, by the way. I know you celebrated it a few <laughs> days ago. Um, you're one of four players here that are now over 30 at the Major, which is incredible. Does that allow you to enjoy moments like this more?
3: Uh No, I wouldn't say… Uh,
2: you I just want to be 10 years younger like me?
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the club is something special, but I would rather not be in the club. Right, okay. I
2: won't talk about it ever again. I won't ever okay. bring it up, okay? Okay, thank
3: you uh, congr- very much.
2: Congrats on the, a great game uh, and a win guys. on day one.
0: And that's all we got time for this week. You can follow us on twitter at the truth csgo we've actually just hit 300 followers should actually have a party for that it's only been two years (laughs) Uh, jump on the discord it's on the twitter there's definitely going to be some activity on that come the major you can send me an email the truth at the truth csgo.com and of course if you'd like to support the podcast you can do so on patreon patreon.com slash the truth csgo all right until next time enjoy the game